Likuti Sikha is Chelikutes, Volume 19, the Sikha for Shabbos Nachmu. In this Sikha, the Rebbe will explain the double expression which appears in the beginning of this week's Haftoira, namely, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, Hashem says through the Prophet, Comfort, O Comfort My Nation. And this he will explain by means of explaining in detail a story which appears in the end of Nasechus Makois, in which the very same expression is also repeated twice. And at the end of the Sikha, there will be some very practical halachic applications of this explanation. As an introduction, just to familiarize ourselves very briefly, there's a rule that the whole of Torah Shabal Peh, the whole of the oral law, although there are certain rules like Astam Mishnah, Rab Meir, and so on and so forth, but the Gemara concludes that Kulhu Aliba de Rabbi Kiva, all of them go in accordance with the tradition that was passed down by Rabbi Akiva. That means most of Torah Shabal Peh and its halachis really can all be traced back to Rabbi Akiva. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, in general in the Gemara, it discusses halacha, but there are parts of the Gemara which is classified as agadita, which can be translated either as stories or homiletics. Generally, you do not learn, you cannot derive halacha from agadita. However, when an agadita, a story in the Gemara, is a maiserab, an actual story that took place with one of the great Torah giants, this actually actually sets a precedent for halacha. And also in generally, it's, obvi- it's obvious that this has an application to our lives as Jews, because the fact is that the Gemara is not a storybook, and it doesn't just relate stories just uh, for the entertainment aspect of it. Now, another thing to familiarize ourselves with, the philosophy of Rabbi Akiva, as it's discussed in the Gemara, that in everything that he saw, even something which in its appearance was bad, he always would say, Kol ma ovid. Everything that the Torah, that the Hashem does, he does it for the good. That means that it's possible that in the current situation, the actual circumstance as it is, it seems to be very bad. However, you have to always look and see what is the good that will come out of it. So now the Haftar of this week's Parsha, getting into the Sikha, is Nachanmu, Nachamu Ami Yemelekechem. And the Medrash says that why is there a double expression of Nachama, of comfort, of consolation? Because they were afflicted in a double manner, and therefore there's a double expression or a double emphasis of comfort, of reward. What is the meaning of it? So the Rebbe says we'll understand it by first by understanding the story that appears in the end of Meseches Marcus, that also over there, as we said in the introduction, we find that there is a double expression of the word Nechama, of the word comfort. What is the story? So let me go through it briefly. In the end of Meseches Marcus, the Gemara says that Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah, and Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Akiva were once traveling on the road. They were going to Rome. And they heard great commotion, the metropolitan noise coming from a big city of Palata, which is 120 mil in the distance, I guess about 60 miles. And they all started to cry. But Rabbi Akiva smiled. He was laughing. He was happy. So they said to him, why are you so happy? Why are you laughing? Why are you rejoicing? So he said to them, and you, why are you you crying? Why are you so sad? So they said to him, these are all idol worshippers. 
These are people that go against Hashem's will, and yet look how they're living so tranquil and peaceful and so happily. And we, the the, the glorious house of Hashem, is lying in ruins. And how should we not cry? So he said to them, this is precisely the reason why I laugh, why I'm so happy. Because if this is the way Hashem treats those who go against His will, how much more so those who do His will, al-achas kama v'kama, how much more so. Then the Gemara gives us another story. The Gemara says, Shuf pam. Once again, they were, they were once going up to Yerushalayim, these very same rabbis, the four of them, and when they reached Har Hatsoifim, which is Mount Scopus, from where you can see the Har Habayis, the Halacha is that once you, you're at a point that you can see where the actual destruction of Besamitash took place, you have to tear Kriya, just like when somebody, God forbid, experiences a terrible loss as a loved one or something like that. So they all render the clothing, and when they came closer to Har Habayis, suddenly they saw a shual, a fox, exiting the very spot where the Kodesh HaKadoshim stood. And once again, they started to cry. And Rabbi Akiva started to laugh. He was so happy. So they said to him, what are you happy about? So he said to them, what are you crying about? So they said to him, a place on which the Torah writes, the Hazar HaKorev Yumas, that any stranger, any foreigner that approaches, that comes close, should be put to death. And now we see a fox, foxes coming out of it. We sh- how can we not cry? So he said to them, this is precisely the reason why I am so happy, why I laugh, why I'm smiling. Because it says in the Pasuk, in, in Isaiah, in Yishayo, it says, that Yishayo says, I am going to I am going to um, call upon two witnesses, and he names them by name, two Nevi'im, that is Uriah HaKoyen and Zechariah. Now, just, to, just for perspective, Uriah lived in the times of the first Beis HaMikdash. Zechariah HaNavi lived in the times of the second Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara asks, and Rabbi Kiva explains this, how does one come to the other? How could... Yeshayo Hanavi, so to speak, invite these two Nevi'im that lived so many hundreds of years apart. But in other words, how can he bring the two of their prophecies together as if it's one testimony? So Rabbi Akiva says, what is this saying? What is this telling us? That until the Nevuah of uh, that, that, that what the Gemara, what Hashem is saying, what Yeshayo is saying is, that the nevuah of Zechariah, the nevuah that Zechariah Hanavi gave about the good blessings that will come to Yerushalayim, the rebuilding of Yerushalayim, how do I know that it will come about? How do I know that it actually will materialize? When the nevuah of Uriah HaKoyin materializes, then I am assured, then we are certain that the nevuah of Zechariah is going to come about. What is the nevuah of Uriah? Uriah HaKoyin his nevuah was that, his, that Hashem says, quote, because of you, because of your misdeeds, Tzion Sada Techerash, that Tzion, meaning Yerushalayim, especially the base of Mikdash, will become plowed like a field. I mean, it'll be in total ruins and total destruction. What is the nevuah of Zechariah Anavi? Zechariah Anavi has a nevuah that it says, O Yeshvu Zekenim Muskenos 
that there will come a day when there will be the old men and old women, meaning old from old, right old age, that means they'll be healthy and well, and they'll sit in the streets of Yerushalayim peacefully and tranquilly, enjoying their lives. So when he, they said, so he says, now that I see that there was an absolute fulfillment and materialization of the Nevoah of Uriah, now I am assured that this Haryan of his Nevoah will certainly become, will come to fruition, will certainly be fulfilled, and therefore I rejoice, therefore I am happy. When he said this, they said to him, and the Gemara emphasized it, they said to him in this exact expression, they said, Akiva nichamtonu, Akiva nichamtonu, Akiva you have comforted us, Akiva you have comforted us. Now, we know that since this is a Maiserav, as we said in the introduction, since this is an actual story that happened, and especially considering that all halachas in Torah Peh go according to Rabbi Akiva, so it's understood that even though that this is from the Chelek Ha'agoda that's in Gemara, even though this is from the Ahmeletic part of the Gemara, still this has a lot of uh, aspects many aspects that actually ha- apply to halacha and to practical application of how we philosophically and practically should live our life. So we need to understand what exactly was the difference in approach halachically and philosophically. Obviously they differed, and it seems that even after they said to him, Akiva Nechamtanu, still at some point, at some level, they had to still their own opinion. Because the fact is, if you recall, after the first story, they weren't totally convinced. They didn't change their approach because when it came to the second episode, again, they did cry. So it did have an effect on them. They accepted Rabbi Akiva's way of looking at it, but still they had a different philosophy. Now, there's also many questions. There's a whole list of questions. I'll only name a few that the Rebbe asks. The question is, number one, what, do you, what does Rabbi Akiva ask them? Why are you crying? It's so obvious why they're crying. They're, they're, they're experiencing the Chorban. They're, they're, they're in a state of in a state of destruction, and now as they're getting closer to Rome, they see again more and more how the destruction, how impactive it is, the, the contrast between Rome and Eretz Yisrael, and now when they go up on the Temple Mount and they see the terrible destruction, obviously they're crying. That's a re- reason to cry. Why is he asking them why you're crying? It's such a redundant question. Number two, Rabbi Akiva himself also appreciated the severity of the Chorban. The fact is that he too rendered his garments. It says they rendered their garments when they came to Har Hatzayif and to Mount Scopus. So what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean that he's now he's laughing? Why is he now laughing? I mean, does he experience the Chorban? Does he not experience the Chorban? Another question is, number three, what kind of idea is this? What is Rabbi Akiva really presenting here when he says that only after Uriah's nevuah, Uriah's prophecy was fully fulfilled, now I know that Zechariah's prophecy about the Geula, about the redemption, and about the great promises that will be in the future, and Yerushalayim, the good things, now I know it's going to be fulfilled. The fact is that we have a rule that whenever there is a nevuah letoiv, whenever a, a prophet says a prophecy about something good that's going to happen, Hashem certainly fulfills that prophecy. It never goes away. It can never be canceled. So why would you even have a doubt that this prophecy will be fulfilled? What exactly, in other words, is Rabbi Akiva really saying? Another question is, why did Rabbi Akiva bring the verse in Uriah's 
uh, prophecies about the destruction of Mishamikdash, specifically the verse of Tzien Sada Techadash, that Tzien will become, that Yishalayim will become destroyed and like plowed like a field, total destruction. There are many other verses which depict the severity of the destruction that in, in the words of Aria and the words of other prophets. Another question, why really is it important to know the names of all these sages? It would have, been, would have sufficed to say that there were elders, there were sages, that were traveling alongside Rabbi Akiva. They had one opinion, they had one reaction, and Rabbi Akiva had another reaction. Why spell out all their names? And, number, and, and another question, the last question, why did they express their excitement? Why did they respond to him by saying twice, Nichamtonu, Akiva Nichamtonu, Akiva Nichamtonu, you comf- Akiva, you comfort us, Akiva, you comfort us. Why did they emphasize it twice? Now, perhaps we could have explained it in the following manner, that this whole story really is an example of Rabbi Akiva's overall philosophy of looking at everything by saying, Kol Madi Ovid Rachmona Letav Ovid. That his approach was that even if something bad is occurring, to try to see it a little deeper, go beneath the surface and say, in the future, good will come out of this. Perhaps that, that's what we could have explained. How, and this is where they differed. However, this cannot be the answer. Why? Because we don't find anywhere in the Gemara that anybody should counter this opinion, this philosophy of Rabbi Akiva. It really seems that it's just that it's quoted in the name of Rabbi Akiva because Rabbi Akiva was the author, the, so to speak, the champion of this idea, but nobody argues with him. And therefore, it's not possible that this is just merely a regular case of kol madi ovid rachman al-etav ovid. But it's got to be something more, something deeper here. So the Rebbe says, we'll understand this by examining the story itself as the Gemara presents the story. Going to those words where Rabbi Akiva said, Loma atem why are you crying? What did he mean with it? What he meant to ask them, what he's asking them is, look, the fact is you didn't cry until now. Here we are traveling to Rome. Why were they traveling to Rome? So we know that many times the Chachamim traveled to Rome to try to appeal to the government there to ease their various decrees against the Jews. In other words, the mere fact that they're traveling to Rome is a symbol of the Chorban. That, for that, you didn't cry. Only when you heard the noise, the celebration coming from this metropolitan city of Rome, that's when you started crying. And that's why he asked them, what, what is this crying all about? And likewise in the second story. The second story, when you came up the Temple Mount, or when you saw Temple Mount, yes, you ripped Kriya, and then you came closer and you saw the actual destruction up close. That still didn't trigger any crying. Only when you saw the fox coming out of the, the place of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that's when you started to cry. And that's what Rabbi Akiva was asking him. Why now? What are you crying specifically about right in this moment. And this is what they answered to Rabbi Akiva. The fact that Rome destroyed Yerushalayim in and itself is not the ultimate terrible thing. Why? Because it's obvious that it was decreed upon the, the, the Bnei Yisrael, it was a, decreed upon us to lose Yerushalayim, to lose the Beis HaMikdash. And the fact that Rome was the one who implemented this decree is actually in a sense a positive thing. Because we know that Hashem makes it that in order for not to diminish 
the honor, the status of Yerushalayim and of Bnei Yisrael, that even Chas V'Shalom, when somebody has to afflict the, 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 the Yerushalayim, somebody has to bring about a Churban, Hashem made it that it should come about by a very prestigious and the most powerful of the nations. Because otherwise it would be an affront. Imagine if a lowly nation would come and destroy Yerushalayim. So the mere fact that Rome caused the destruction, that is not so much of an affront. That's understandable. But the fact that after the destruction, they already carried out the destruction. What was done is done. And now they're still living this peaceful and tranquil life and full of celebration and happiness. Now that is a cause for us to really be sad. Now we're extra sad. That means the destruction itself didn't trigger such a, ta- such a great sense of, of uh, a feeling of tragedy. But now that they're still celebrating, they're still so happy, while we lie in ruins, this was a cause for us to really be sad. And also in the second story, the fact that we saw the destruction based on Mikdash, the fact that we see the Har Habayis laying in ruins, that is something which is already part of the story. That is already something which Hashem said is going to happen and it happened. But now that we see a fox exiting that very spot, such a lowly creature, exiting that very spot where the Kodesh HaKadoshim stood, not just the Beis Amigas, but the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the holiest place, a place in which it says even any foreigner can't even get close, which means, by the way, even the Kayan Gadol can't come there outside of Yom Kippur, and it deserves to be put to death. And now it's coming out of that spot, this enhanced the severity of the Chorban. This is like an over-the-top a chilul Hashem, a, des- a desecration of God's whole name, of the of the holiness and prestige of Hashem and of Bnei Yisrael, and therefore this was a cause. It was a cause um, for for us to cry. In other words, what they were emphasizing is not the not the the mere fact that there's destruction. That was obvious, but the fact that now they're so to speak adding insult to injury. Okay, the fact that they're tranquil while we're not. And the fact that a fox is going out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And this is what Rabbi Kiva answers to them. He says to them, listen, this is actually a cause for celebration, a cause for happiness. Because if this is the way that Hashem treats those who go against His will, those who don't do what Hashem wants us to do, how much more so, this in itself tells us how great the reward will be for those who do follow in Hashem's ways. In other words, the greater the Bechilu Hashem that, we, that we're experiencing, the more assured we are, the more certain we can be of the reward that will come. And this is also in the second story. The second story where the Churban reaches the highest tier. That means not only is the Har Habayis laying in ruins and total destruction, but the fact, the fact that now you see the ultimate, the ultimate fulfillment of the prophecy in the ultimate level, in the ultimate level possible, beyond anything that anybody could have imagined. That not only it's laying in ruins and destruction, but now even this lowly animal, a fox, is coming out of there. That tells us how terrible and how ultimate the destruction was and how ultimate the Chilun Hashem is. And therefore, from this I can tell and be totally assured with absolute certainty that the reward will be phenomenally greater than anything that could have been imagined. And this explains that he didn't have a doubt in the Nevoah. No one ever doubted the Nevoah. In other words, there was no doubt 
if the Nevoah will ever be fulfilled. Of course the prophecy will be fulfilled. Zechariah Navi says Mashiach will come and there'll be good times and, and, and the Skenim and Skenis will sit in the street of Yerushalayim. That certainly would happen. But the question is, how? In what manner will this be? Says Rabbi Kiva, now that I'm experiencing this, now that I'm witnessing what you witnessed, this tells me that not only it will happen, but it also tells me how it will happen in the utmost possible manner that, that there will be beyond anything that we could have ever imagined. Now, think about it. This is why also he uses the verse, the Pasuk, Siyan Sada Techadosh, that Siyan was plowed, Yishalayim was plowed like a field. You see, when you take the idea of plowing, on the surface, for one who doesn't know what's happening, it looks like you're destroying the field. You destroy every inch of, of, of soil, turn it upside down, and it looks like a destruction. But everybody knows and understands the obvious, that this is for the purpose of growth. Now, usually the growth is measured. It's proportional to the quality of the plowing, which later brings about a better quality of the sowing. However, this, says Rabbi Akiva, is actually beyond that. In general, the fact that Yishalayim was destroyed the fact that there was a Tzien Sada Techadesh, that tells us that there will be a growth. But now that I see that the Techadesh, that the plowing, so to speak, the destruction, was so exponential, that tells me that the actual Nevoah of Zechariah, which is about the good that will come, is also going to be exponential in the greatest manner possible, one that's beyond anything we could have imagined. Now, we can better appreciate the difference in approach between the Chachamim and Rabbi Akiva. You see, because there's a general um, question that applies to various mitzvahs in, in how you approach the matter. Do you look at the hoiva? Do you look at the current? Or do you look at the asr? Do you look at the future? In other words, what is the main emphasis? A good example for that would be, you know that after Rosh Hashanah, we have two fast days. We have Tzoyim Gedalia, in the day immediately after Rosh Hashanah, which actually Tzoyim Gedalia is more or less Midrabanan or Midivre Kabbalah, which means from the prophets, but it's certainly not written in the Hamisha Chumshe Torah and the five books of the Torah. That means it's not Midurayisa. Whereas Yom Kippur, which comes several days, seven days later, that is Midurayisa. So what happens if somebody is not in the best of health, and now you have a dilemma? Should he fast on Tzoyim Gedalia, which is a mitzvah, albeit Midrabanan, but if he fasts on Tzoyim Gedalia, that might compromise his health and put him in a position that when it comes Yom Kippur, he will not be able to fast. He will not be able to fast. Or do you say no? Let him fast. Right now he has a mitzvah. Let him do, you look at the current, look at what's happening now, and... What happens Jim Kipper happens Jim Kipper. When he gets to that, you know, when you get to that bridge, you figure out if you could, you can't cross it. So the Chachamim's approach is you look at the matter at hand. You look at the current matter as it is now. And as it is now, he has a mitzvah. Do it. Likewise, in this, in this case, right now, there's a terrible chil Hashem. What an affront to Hashem's glory, to the glory of Bnei Yisrael. And that's why it's a cause for mourning, a cause for sadness. Rabbi Akiva, however, says, you look at the current, but you also look what's going to come out of it. What is the potential that it's going to lead to? What the future that's going to come out of this is? And therefore, in the case of Tzayim Gedalia versus Yom Kippur, you would tell the person not to fast on Tzayim Gedalia because you have to fast on Yom Kippur, which is a greater mitzvah.
And likewise, that the 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 the, the, the fact that he sees now the terrible affront to Hashem's name, the terrible chil Hashem, this is not something that he's going to get stuck on, but rather he's going to say, wow, this enhances, this changes the perspective of what's going to be in the future, changes the perspective of the actual hoiva, the actual current situation. You don't look at it for what it is, but you look for what it's going to be. Another example of perhaps where you can apply their difference in approach, the, let's say in a mitzvah, you have the actual fulfillment of the mitzvah, and then you have the hidur mitzvah. Hidur mitzvah means the beautification of the mitzvah, going the extra mile, doing the mitzvah in a more beautified manner. Now, sometimes you can focus on the hidur, on the hidur mitzvah, but that perhaps can compromise, albeit not a crucial, but an aspect of the mitzvah. Take, for example, a bris. We know that a bris miller, to do the mitzvah in the most proper manner, you have to do it first thing in the morning. You have to do it early in the morning. What if, if you know that if you do the, we call the people for the morning to do the bris milah, you're not going to have such a large crowd, and then you're going to be lacking the aspect of beroiv am hatras melech, that the greater the crowd, the greater the honor of the mitzvah. However, if you do it later in the afternoon or later in the day, true, you're not doing it first thing in the morning, but now you're going to have a larger crowd. So here, what outweighs what? The heather mitzvah, which is the addition to the mitzvah, and it beautifies the mitzvah, but it will compromise the act, one actual aspect of the mitzvah itself, which is to do it the first thing in the morning. So which one do you do? Which one do you do? Do you go by? So that is, again, the difference between the Chachamim and Rabbi Akiva. The fact that they saw, the, they, that they heard the happiness and the noise coming from Rome, or the fact that they saw a fox exiting the Kodesh HaKadoshim, this told them that there's something lacking in the thing right now. True, something good will come out of it later. But the focus should be right now. Right now you're lacking in the Kiddush Hashem, and therefore this is a bad thing. We, should, we cannot accept it. But Rabbi Akiva looks on what's going to be in the future, on the, so to speak, the Hidro Mitzvah. Then in the future this is going to bring to much greater promise, much greater much greater outcome. And therefore, I look at the current situation, not in what it's lacking, but I look in what it's going to bring, and I'm looking and that becomes my main focus. That becomes, so to speak, my reality. This is the beginning of the manifestation of the greatness that will come later. And now we can appreciate the, the reason why the Gemara enumerates, tells us their names. Because Rabbi Gamliel was a Nasi. He was the leader of all the Eden. Rabbi Lozer ben Azariah was a Koyen. Rabbi Yeshua, he was a Levi. Rabbi Akiva was the son of a Ger. And this tells us why the difference in approach. You see, a Yid cannot appreciate in the ultimate sense what Rabbi Akiva can appreciate. Rabbi Akiva stemming from a Ger, from, from somebody who was a convert, somebody who started off totally in the other side, in the side of bad, and was able to take the bad and transform it and bring it into the utmost Kedusha. To become a Yid. Only Rabbi Akiva can appreciate how the bad itself should not be looked on for what it is bad, but rather for what it can bring to. And he was, especially when it's going to bring to it, when it's going to come to it, and that's what Rabbi Akiva was able to see. Moreover, in Rabbi Akiva himself, in his own individual life, we see a manifestation of this. That you don't look at the current situation, but you look at the potential, you look at the future. You look at what's going to come out of it. We know that Rabbi Akiva himself 
he did not start learning, he did not start his career as a Talmud Chacham until he was 40 years old. If he would have been swayed by his current situation as he was before he started learning, not looking at the potential he'd come in the future, he would have never have become Rabbi Akiva. And now we can appreciate why it says that because they were afflicted doubly, that's why the comfort will be double. Now we can appreciate what this means, a double comfort. That since the affliction, since the destruction, since the churban was so exponential, was to such a great degree over the top, this is the promise that the nechama, the comfort, the promise that the, 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 the redemption will not just be in a regular manner, but it also will be in a double manner over the top. And that's why the emphasis in the Gemara and also now we understand why in the Haftarah.